0: Hey, it's Talib. Fast Co Works has a bonus episode for you today. It's part of a custom podcast called Intelligence at Work, a special series about the future of employment produced in partnership with Ceridian. We'll be back next week with another episode of Fast Break. I'm Abigail Bassett, and this is Intelligence at Work, a custom podcast from Fast Co Works and Ceridian. In this series, we'll hear from industry leaders on how technology is disrupting payment structures, how companies will return to the office, and about overall financial wellness. On today's episode, Financial Wellness in 2021. Joining me today is Elizabeth Kozak, Managing Director and Co-Head of Consumer Lending at Marcus by Goldman Sachs. Elizabeth, thanks for being here.
1: Delighted to be here, Abby. Thanks for
0: having me. So let's talk a little bit about digital banking. I'd like to know why it's at the heart of the shift that we're seeing in the marketplace in terms of how we buy and interact with brands and what we demand in order to maintain or improve our financial wellness in this current environment.
1: So in my view, banking won't be about what was pre-COVID or post-COVID, as digital and mobile banking has been on the rise for some time. But I think digital banking has truly become a part of our new normal. Mobile banking has actually surged by 50 percent since the beginning of 2020. And COVID-19 has forced us to think about things that we were resistant to trying before. As you think about consumers that preferred to visit branches in a shelter-in-place mentality, they weren't able to do that any longer. And they recognize that digital banking offers a very personalized customer service experience. And when you think about digital banks, like Marcus, there's also human beings behind the phone line seven days a week. And of course, you can still access your account 24-7 online or in the app in a way that enables you to be safe as a consumer and also preserves the safety of that representative behind the phone. And I think consumers have also recognized the digital experience isn't that different and in many ways is preferable. What once used to be a drop off a check at the bank can now be done at any hour of the day when it's convenient for you.
0: So you mentioned the fact that we used to go to the banks all the time, right? The only way that we used to be able to deposit our paychecks or do any kind of banking was actually go to a branch and do it in person. Now, like you mentioned, we simply just hop on our smartphones and find out where we stand on a moment-to-moment basis. Why do you think that's so important to managing our financial wellness on a day-to-day basis rather than sort of that once-a-week or even once-every-two-weeks basis?
1: Well, I think we've recognized as consumers that we want to be in control of our finances, and most Americans would acknowledge that they don't know as much about their finances as they would like to. We actually did a financial literacy survey in March, And we showed that less than half, actually 44% of Americans, say that they're knowledgeable about personal finance. And many people who weren't taught about personal finance in school, 87% of those said they wish they had been. And so when you think about digital banking, it makes it easier to take control of one's financial life. And as we think about our own products, we want to give consumers the ability to manage their finances holistically. And we offer tools and resources, whether that's information on our website, that is free and you know easy to use, or our Marcus Insights app, which we recently made available to consumers, whether they are or are not customers of Marcus by Goldman Sachs, to basically bring finances together in a single dashboard and make more empowered financial decisions. It's a much easier and a much more personalized way to do it in a digital fashion.
0: Has the pandemic changed the way that we should think about budgeting? Budgeting is something that that people in general struggle with immensely, and a lot of times it becomes overwhelming, right? Because you're looking at all these numbers, you're taking in all this information, and it's really hard to kind of get a grasp of it. Has the pandemic shifted the way we should look at our finances?
1: Well, the pandemic was really a wake-up call for many Americans to pay more attention to their finances. And specifically, we've seen many insights from consumers reevaluating their emergency funds, or in some cases, the lack thereof. You've probably seen the Federal Reserve puts out a survey each year about Americans who would be able to take in a $400 emergency or unexpected expense. And typically, it's less than half of Americans you know, would still have problems doing so. And that's obviously a concern, and it tells us that saving is hard, as well as the behavioral shifts to be able to save. The other thing I think we've seen is that people wanna move their money somewhere safe. So we've seen a huge jump in the amount of inflows into our high yield savings products. Marcus, for example, offers a no penalty CD, which gives you a fixed rate guarantee there's no penalty for withdrawing the balance early, and the customers can keep the interest they earned. So as you think about it, you really want to be smart about your money making it work for you. But having you know that sort of a return has been a big trend that we've seen since the pandemic started.
0: And you mentioned a shift to focusing more on emergency funds. And the rule usually is to build an emergency fund first and then pay down your debt. Has that been flip-flopped in this current environment, or is it still important to kind of do both? Like, What's the best approach to manage an emergency fund, but also Maintain reasonable debt load?
1: Well, I think it's important to do both. Obviously, the ability to manage debt, you know, you have to be able to have the flexibility to make your payments, whether that's a minimum amount due on a credit card or a fixed monthly payment on a loan or a mortgage or a home equity line of credit. Being able to have more visibility into your cash flow and understanding what your available cash is to be able to put towards your financial goals, whether that's the emergency fund or paying down debt further, is important. And unfortunately, during a crisis, debt can add additional financial pressure as well. And so we think about setting goals to be able to pay down debt to give you that additional flexibility. But at the same time, thinking about what percentage of your budget or of your monthly income could you put towards savings? And maybe it's starting small at a couple percentage points of your monthly income.
0: And especially as we've sheltered at home, a lot of people have spent quite a bit of money on enhancing their homes, but at the same time sort of paying down debt. Why do you think that sort of shift is an important trend to pay attention to from just the individual standpoint? This summer,
1: we actually saw a huge increase in home improvement projects and the new home feature that people desired the most was actually a home gym. So you're seeing trends as people look to enhance their home environment, their family environment, their home working environment. But I think also one of the common home renovation mistakes is underestimating the cost. I think as we saw fluctuating pricing over the course of the summer, whether that was due to demand for services or demand for raw materials, making sure that your home improvement project stays within your budget is also really important. Home improvement loans, like those that we offer at Marcus, offer a fixed rate, no fee, These rates are typically lower than that of credit cards, and you don't have to put up any collateral.
0: Personal finance is such a messy, difficult, a lot of people think boring topic, right? So sometimes people feel that it gives them anxiety to check it every day or check it twice a day. Other people are like, you know, no, I have to know what's going on from moment to moment. How do you know as an individual what the right cadence is for you?
1: Well, I think we're getting more aware that the import of finances, especially in such an uncertain time and an uncertain environment, and with higher rates of unemployment is all the more important now. And I think being realistic, if checking your personal financial management tool daily is going to create more stress than it's worth, then obviously you have to take a step back and think about what is that right cadence. At the same time, it can also be very unnerving to find that you're not able to make ends meet at the end of the month because you haven't done that thoughtful checking, right? And that expense management. And so I personally think it is important to come to a cadence that works for you. I don't think daily is as important, but oftentimes it could be tied to when your income comes in. So you might get paid on a weekly, a biweekly, or a monthly basis. Perhaps after that check comes in or that payment is made, that's a good time when you have the money in the bank that you can think about how that money will be spent over the course of the next you know, two weeks or month.
0: And speaking of some of the insecurity that we were talking about in terms of job insecurity, income insecurity as a result of the pandemic... What do you think the best way to manage a change in your income is, especially if it takes you off guard? I mean, we've all heard about layoffs, we've all heard about downsizing across the economy, how can people better prepare themselves for the potential for that?
1: Well, I do think this is where the import of emergency funds really comes in. We have recognized that the ability to withstand an unexpected expense is really important for financial wellness. And that also financial wellness and your financial health can also impact your own personal health, you know, as as a human being. And so I think leveraging tools like Marcus Insights to be able to get that full picture, that 360 degree view of your finances can be really important. And then you you think about what those potential impacts might be, or unexpected expenses might be, and how you would be able to withstand those over the course of a three-month time period or a six-month time period.
0: What resources do you recommend for people to get more educated about their own personal finance and personal wellness as it pertains to managing their money?
1: Well, we actually have a tremendous volume of free resources available on Marcus.com, on our content hub. And we've seen quite an increase in traffic there where personal finance topics have become more front of mind for a lot of consumers second i would also think about tools that you could leverage to be able to link your accounts and get full visibility into how you're spending investments and how those are progressing how you're saving we as the broader goldman sachs have had a number of different webinars and other sorts of events hosting virtual sessions talking about the economy since the early days of the pandemic Over 30,000 people have come to these talks. This is unprecedented engagement compared to things that we've seen in the past. So it just takes a little bit of time and planning to commit to learning about them and then using them.
0: Intelligence at Work, a special series within Fastbreak, is sponsored by Ceridian, a global technology company that is modernizing HR and payroll within today's evolving world of work. Ceridian's innovation, Dayforce Wallet, changes the way employees get paid, It's an app that gives employees real-time access to their earnings without having to wait until their traditional payday, at no additional cost to employer or employee. This can help employees better manage unexpected expenses, minimize financial stress, and take greater control over their financial well-being. Stay tuned to learn more about how Ceridian helps companies prepare for the future of work. When we talk about planning and we talk about looking ahead, we're, we're approaching the holidays. And you guys recently did a survey That showed that more than two-thirds of respondents plan to spend the same or more on holiday gifts this year. Does that surprise you at all? Well, I think it, it does, but I think
1: there's a rationale behind it. So of those who said they would be spending more on holiday gifts this year, 36% said it will be because they saved more money due to COVID-19, and 44% said it's because they will be sending gifts to family and friends that they're not seeing. Given the restrictions that we've been seeing on travel, there will be less money spent on traveling to see friends and family, unfortunately, given the current environment, and thus there is more comfort, I think, in spending on holiday gifts. That said, we've also seen that almost half of Americans, they would wish that they could receive no gifts this holiday season in exchange for avoiding the financial expense and the hassle of buying gifts for others. So I think it goes both ways. We'll see.
0: Yeah. And one of the things that stood out to me in that particular survey as well was that 50 percent or more respondents said that they plan to shop in store. Now, understanding that the pandemic is having impacts in different parts of the country in different ways, some places have seen no cases, while other places have seen continually increasing cases. Are you surprised by that consumer behavior or is that just sort of our own nature where we're just getting tired of being home?
1: I think it's a little bit of both, actually, Abby. And I think there is a little bit of exhaustion with shelter in place. My hope is that we understand a little bit more about how to be safe while doing that shopping. We've also seen a huge increase in digital shopping. And so I think part of the question will be, what stores are you comfortable going to in person? And what might you augment with online shopping as well?
0: And with the shelter in place stuff, with the stay home environment we're in and mask wearing and whatnot, what do you think the long-term impact will be of this experience we're all going through? What
1: we've learned to date is, number one, the import of digital tools, whether that is for online shopping when we recognized we didn't need to. I think a lot of trends that we have seen, you know, whether it is grocery delivery, the rise in e-commerce, and the same thing too with digital wallets. We've seen a lot of increase of customers being comfortable using digital wallets across all income levels and across all age groups. And so I think those are trends that we'll see that will continue to
0: stay. Do you think that this idea of saving and paying down debt will also continue or is this just sort of a flash in the bucket and We're going to move on and everybody's going to go back to our sort of wild and spendy ways.
1: (laughs) It's a good question. Uh, We've definitely seen an increase in customers saving who are able to do so. And as a result, we've also seen that increase in inflows into our own high yield savings products. I think the recognition of the import of being able to withstand financial shocks when they happen is something that will stick with us for some time. I think we will come back to basically spending, whether it's on retail, on travel, and so on and so forth, over the course of 2021, hopefully with the increase of tools and resources that are out there, like Marcus Insights and beyond, that there will be more visibility into your financial picture and an understanding of what is the impact of those decisions on your finances and on your financial health.
0: A lot of people get a lot of financial advice from a lot of different places. And depending on the source, it can be wildly outrageous or really reasonable. So what is the best financial advice that you've ever received?
1: I think the best financial advice I've received was from my father when I was a young child. And he told me to always save 10% of anything I made. Very simple, whether it was a portion of an allowance or money that I made from babysitting or money from my first real job. And the achievement that I felt when I had that nest egg of money set aside to make a major purchase that was on my 10 you know, year old wish list, that felt tremendous. And it's stayed with me ever since. The other idea that he had always shared was don't spend more than you make. That's not always possible. And there is, I think, a role for debt and taking out debt or loans to be able to
0: pay for you know, major investments
1: that you want to be able to pay back over a fixed period of time. But I think that
0: was also other good advice that I've gotten. I have to ask, what did you buy at 10 years old? This is embarrassing, but it was a boom box. Now I'm dating myself. No, not at all. I totally get it. I think my first purchase was actually a tape Walkman, so I totally relate. <laughs> You got a financial education at a young age. My experience was slightly different in that it took a bad experience where I over leveraged myself and put myself into big debt to go, oh, hey, wait a minute. This isn't just free money that I did to myself in college. When we teach our kids about financial wellness and personal finance, is there an appropriate age or an appropriate approach to take with them? I don't think there is too young an age to think about financial wellness. And some of these
1: habits that you create, or these mental models that we can instill in young kids, those are the things that stay with you. And I think it's very typical to not learn until you're older. According to a survey that we had done earlier this year, 46% of Americans said that they were taught the most about personal finance by one of their parents. So I think that tells us the role and the import of family in creating financial awareness as well as good financial habits. And we also saw that 63% of Americans said it's important to learn about personal finance at home.
0: And as we're teaching our kids, are there any tools that you recommend that parents use to educate them about the future financial stuff that they're going to face when they get older is that we should probably give them allowances we should probably open savings accounts i do think that
1: opening up a savings account for kids figuring out ways to contribute money towards that maybe it's money they receive as a gift for a birthday or for a holiday or a graduation setting aside a portion of that money and letting them spend part of that money but save part of that money Is a really good tool also giving them the monthly statements to show if you've put it into a high yield savings account or another interest bearing account seeing how that money grows over time is a really good education kids might find it a little on the boring side so you've got to find a way to make it fun but i think recognizing the importance of having money set aside and then seeing how that money can make money for you is a really important tool Also, when they're old enough, the idea of allowances, I think, is a very good one. And then also, too, is giving them their own access to financial tools where they could track their own spending and their own budgets. If
0: you were to look in your crystal ball and look ahead five to 10 years, what would you say the on demand digital banking landscape will look like? If you had to look ahead and say, okay, our kids are going to have to deal with X, Y, Z. What does that look like? The piece of advice
1: that I have is that digital banking is here to stay. The future of banking is basically having that bank in your wallet, in your back pocket, in your phone. Recognizing that there are tools to make these seemingly difficult financial decisions easier is something that's really important for consumers. And being able to take that power, that awareness, that education, and be able to make smart financial decisions for you to achieve your financial wellness goals will be ever more
0: important. Well, Elizabeth, I wanna thank you so much for joining us today. I think it's been really informative and hopefully people can take some good advice out of this little session. Thank you very much, Abby. It's been a pleasure to speak with you. That's all for this episode of Intelligence at Work. Fast Break will be back with new episodes next week. Intelligence at Work is produced by Fastco Works in partnership with Ceridian. I'm Abigail Bassett. Our producer is Avery Miles.